Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time for the show. Here we go. The Steelers show on the heels of a disastrous 13 to 10 loss to the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. First Energy Stadium. I don't have much energy talking about it. It is not a victory Tuesday as we were hoping to get accustomed to. It's more of a vomit Tuesday. I'm your host, Brian Anthony Davis. The other host of this show is a man named KT Smith, and hopefully he can help break this down to make me feel better and get off of my black and gold ledge. KT, what is up, buddy? Brian, I can break it down for you, but I don't think I'm going to, I don't think it's going to make you feel any better. Just, uh, <laughs> I love it. I mean, it, it was a, it was a game where as you, as you watched it progress, even though you you've gotten used to the Steelers being able to win football games in the fourth quarter, these types of games have all been going the Steelers way. This one felt different. It just felt different because you're up against a really good Cleveland defense and Pittsburgh was so inept in the passing game and so incapable of being able to move the ball by throwing it, that it just, it never really gave you the sense like that they were going to break through. And this was, would you agree first KT that this was a very winnable game for our Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, hundred percent, man. I mean, you're playing against a backup quarterback. I mean, Cleveland, they weren't able to really do much either. I mean, heading into the final drive, the Browns had 126 passing yards and 90 some rushing yards. So obviously the Steelers defense did a nice job of, again, keeping Pittsburgh in the ball game. I mean, it, it's 10-10, and you just figure, hey, the defense is held into 10 points. We're going to win the football game. No matter how bad Pittsburgh's offense is, 10 points should be enough to win. But obviously it wasn't. It indeed was not. There were some bright spots in this game for the Steelers' offense, but it only wore one number, and that was number 30, Jalen Warren. Wow, what a game. I, I have to tell you, if you take away his 74-yard touchdown, he still has over a hundred yards. Yeah. I mean, he's, he sure as heck is, is turning out to be uh, one of the, a special player for Pittsburgh an undrafted free agent. And I think undrafted free agent running backs, I think Willie Parker. And if he winds up turning uh, out to be who Willie Parker was, the Steelers will have found a gem for sure. Absolutely. Now, Najee Harris did not particularly run badly in this game, but if you take away his 18-yarder, it wasn't a very good day. But it seemed like every time Najee Harris was out there, they knew exactly what they were doing. And a big problem for a lot of us here at Steel Curtain Network with this game was when the game was on the line and you needed to move chains, nowhere to be found was Jalen Warren. How do you explain that? Yeah, I mean, well, one guy's a first-round pick. The other guy's an undrafted free agent. And, I mean, the Steelers obviously value Najee Harris in certain packages that they get into. And it is a little bit hard to try to understand why a guy who's dynamic with the ball in his hands, especially as a receiver, isn't there in the, on those last couple of downs. But, you know, Pittsburgh had, had a package that they went to that they liked better, and you got to live with that. All right. Now – this is a very tough question I'm about to give you here. And I want you to think about this and it could be different every week, but it seems like there are two main scapegoats when it comes to the offense. 
and it's Matt Canada for good reason. It's definitely Kenny Pickett for good reason. I'm the eternal optimist with Kenny Pickett, but what I saw today was really just bad football. And I just saw this stat before we went on today. And a friend of mine sent it to me. I do not know what it's att- it's attributed to the NFL on CBS. 315 quarterbacks have 500 pass attempts since the merger. Only one has thrown a touchdown on fewer than 2% of his attempts. And that's Kenny Pickett and 1.9%. That's pretty bad. So I thought the play calling was abysmal today. However, I think Kenny Pickett was even more abysmal because if you just had marginal quarterback play in this game against the Cleveland Browns, even though they're number one defense, the Steelers win this game, Kevin. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I'm not here to defend Kenny Pickett, but that blame really is spread across the entire organization as far as the offense goes. Uh, Like, look at the first, on the first snap of the game, first of all, the Steelers had the ball on their own nine yard line. And, and you know, Cleveland's going to be amped up and Cleveland's going to be aggressive for them to come out throwing there on that very first play, I thought was a, a poor decision. And then they blow the assignment and they just, they don't even block miles Garrett. I mean, so miles Garrett comes in and wallops Kenny Pickett on what probably should have been a safety. So that's how Kenny Pickett's day begins. And from a, from a pressure standpoint, it didn't get much better as the game progressed. I, I don't know how many times the Steelers blew a protection or, I mean, on one play they snapped the ball where while James Daniels is standing straight up looking back at the quarterback. And there was there were easily, easily four or five times where they just turned a Cleveland pass rusher loose and he came flying in unblocked into the backfield. I mean, in that environment, Kenny Pickett is understandably skittish. Now, look, man, some of it's on him, right? There was a third and two play in, in the second quarter where uh, if if Pickett and when the Steelers drop back to pass and if Pickett steps up through the pocket, he runs easily for a first down or he buys himself some time to find a receiver. And instead he pivots and he spins out like we see him do all the time. Every time he does that, it's bad. And he winds up taking a sack for like a loss of 11 yards. He created some of the problems himself, no doubt about it. But the the Steelers just seem unprepared on offense in all facets of the game today. How many times did we see Pickett throw the ball to uh, the the open grass where there wasn't a receiver within 15 yards of it because they miscommunicated? How many of those miscommunications are you going to have? The Steelers had a miscommunication like that on their last drive, that crucial last drive when they got to get into field goal range to win the game and that was a comedy of errors Deontay Johnson drops the first play of the drive on a on a perfectly placed ball right in his hands Pickett and Pickens miscommunicate on the second play of the drive which winds up in in Pickett throwing the ball to nobody and then on the third play of the drive Johnson comes open on an outcut and and Pickett overthrows him so it's all of the above man uh and so again I'm not here to defend Kenny Pickett but the blame certainly is to be shared where were the receivers are we blaming? Are we blaming just the communication, the route running, the fact that they aren't in sync, the drops, or is it just everything? It seems to be everything right now. I don't – and the scheme. I mean, they're they're completely unwilling to throw the football in the middle of the field. And so defenses 
I'm sure have reacted to that. I'm sure they're doing some things and I don't know exactly what they're doing, but I'm sure they're doing some things right now that are making it harder to live on the, on the margins as the Steelers attempt to do so. Uh, I mean, how many screen passes are the Steelers going to try to throw or, or throw unsuccessfully? The one call that really bothered me, really bothered me was Pittsburgh's second to last possession when in a 10, 10 game with about five minutes to go, and they'd driven down to the Cleveland 40-yard line. And all they have to do in that situation is gain a couple of yards. If they gain three, four yards, they're in Chris Boswell's field goal range. And on first and 10, they throw a screen pass, which I was just like, you got to be kidding. You're going to throw a screen pass on first and 10 here, which gets batted down. And then on second down, they run a wide zone play into the teeth of Cleveland's formation, and they lose four yards. And now they're up to 44. And then on third down, they throw a swing pass behind the line of scrimmage to Jalen Warren. And he barely gets back past the line of scrimmage. And I just thought to myself, that's the pinnacle of how bad the offense is right now. That, my gosh, you need to make three, four yards to give your kicker a chance to hit a, a, a go-ahead field goal late in the fourth quarter. And, and that was the result. So I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's everything. Obviously, I'm, I'm frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. You asked me about the receivers, the miscommunications. We would have to know exactly what's being called and whose responsibility it is. There, there are times, there were times on Sunday anyway, where it looked like Pickett either expected the receiver to continue vertically uh, and he threw the ball down the field and the receiver pulled up or the opposite was also true. So it was, it was both in that regard, but they're not on the same page. And for me, that, that, that just goes back to preparation, and, and that's on coaching. I, I firmly believe that when the players aren't prepared to execute, it's on the coaches. When the offensive line is turning guys loose, turning guys loose, unblocked, running unblocked into the backfield, that's on preparation. That's the coaching staff. So I hate to be critical of the coaches. I know how hard it is to, to be a coach, uh, but it's just the, that's the reality. It really is. Let's get back to Kenny Pickett, though. I do have this question. Is the game too fast for him right now? It feels feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it, really it seems does. like it. I mean, it just seems like he's not seeing things. And, and there was a play in the first quarter where the Steelers threw a swing pass to Jalen Warren. So Warren started in the backfield and then he motioned out what some teams call exit motion. He just he just motioned out towards the sidelines, and he motioned towards a three-receiver set. So the Steelers had three a trip set, and Warren became the fourth guy. And uh, nobody on the Browns rotated out with Warren. So And Pickett threw the ball out there, and Warren caught it. And so when you see that, you just think, well, that's, a, that's like a pre-snap read, right? That like the Steelers are basically saying, We've got uh, that called to the three-receiver side. It's a swing pass to Warren. All three receivers are going to block. Um, and if they don't run an extra guy out there, we're going to throw it out uh, to Warren because we're going to get three on three. We can block up all three guys. And if they do bump an extra guy out there with Warren, then they got something called on the backside, some kind of single receiver route on the backside, and Pickens will throw to the backside or Pickett will throw to the backside. But so nobody bumped out, Pickett threw the ball to Warren, but all three receivers ran routes. All three receivers ran routes. Nobody blocked the, the defenders and the defenders, three defenders just came flying downhill and tackled Warren for like a three yard loss. And I just, I, I watched that and I'm like, what, what, what is going on, man? I, if, if that was the called play, 
then there's no way in hell Kenny Pickett should have thrown that ball so fast because he didn't let any of the routes develop. He didn't force the defenders to drop at all. But if it's if it's a designed throw, then the receiver screwed up because nobody blocked. They all ran routes. So I, I don't know, man. It's really hard to answer some of these questions right now because the offense is so dysfunctional that like to get to the answers, you have to first define the dysfunction. And I, I can't even do that right now. Yeah, it's really hard to do. And this is so confusing to me. I I can't believe what I was seeing on my screen. I thought, look, this is going to be fourth quarter Kenny. And there was none of that. I don't know whether he's allowed to be anything but Matt Canada's puppet. I don't know if that's just false or maybe he's just not up to snuff. I just know that it's very hard to even try to think about defending this young quarterback right now when you're seeing so many other things. But we've got to talk about the defense as well. And on the surface, it looked like the defense played a pretty good game. But when it came down the stretch, it was really odd to me. And I want to ask you about that as well. But we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back right after this. And we will continue to try to sift through this disaster. The Steelers losing 13 to 10 to the Cleveland Browns in week 11. We'll be back after this. Stick with us. Here we go. It's the Steelers show. We are your host, Brian Davis and KT Smith. And we are thankful for our Pittsburgh Steelers, but nauseated by the meal today because the servings were just absolutely horrendous. But look, this is a place where you could come being Steel Curtain Network and try to digest all of this. Make sure you check out yesterday's show with Jeff Hartman. What a barn burner it was. It was a fantastic show as Jeff has no holds barred on the latest edition of Let's Ride. I did my own bad language. We had a spirited talk between, between our very own Shannon White and his co-host, Daniel J. And that show is called The Hangover as well, a show that I used to do. But for everything Steelers, you're going to have to check out what we have here, the Steel Curtain Network. We're going to hear more from Mike Tomlin later on today with the Mike Tomlin post-game press conference recap with Dave Schofield. Not the post-game, just the weekly press conference recap. The post-game recap was done the other day with Kevin Tate and Big G. Good job by those guys as well as we hear Mike Tomlin's comments. Kevin, did you happen to hear Mike Tomlin's comments after the game? I thought they were really dismissive and like, hey, it's a tough environment. That's the way it goes. I think Mike Tomlin will always defend his team publicly. Uh, he's never been a guy to uh, single out players in a negative light. If he does so, he generally does it in, in some sort of coded Mike Tomlin-esque language. 
Uh, and he probably also hasn't had an opportunity or hadn't had an opportunity to, to dig into the film and really see what went on. So again, I, that wasn't surprising to me. It was a little bit disappointing, I think, cause people would have liked to have heard a little more from him, but I don't think that he was doing anything other than what he normally does. Yeah, I, I know that's true. I just felt it was, uh, it just felt like that's the breaks, but that is, you know, that's kind of his attitude with the press. He does not want to give the media everything. And he said that before, doesn't want to give them everything. So I kind of understand that it's just, I would have rather we had a Jim Mora moment where he just slams down the headphones and say, this is a disgrace. It's, it's about time. We, uh, we fix this. And, of course, that's against his character. But sometimes as a and fan, you just want to know that people are pissed off. You do. But you know he can't do that because the decision to retain Matt Canada has already been made. And it's probably been made above his pay grade. You know, it's probably been made by the front office. And, I mean, he, he's got to live with it, man. I mean, or or if it is his decision, which, again, I don't know if it is or is not. I mean, the, the rumors we hear is that it comes from higher up. But uh, if it is his decision, then, you know, he's got to live with what he's decided. So he can, he can kick and scream and get as mad as he wants, but there's probably nothing that he can do about it so long as Matt Canada is the coordinator and, and Mike Tomlin entrusts him with the game plan. So I, I'm sure he's pissed and frustrated like everybody else is. But at the same time, I, I feel as though the, the, the team's hands are tied right now. They had their chance to move on from Matt Canada. They chose not to do it. With Ken Dorsey going down in Buffalo this week, there was some renewed hope. And if you listen to Jeff's show yesterday, he was calling for them to do it now to see if Kenny Pickett is actually the problem or if it's the play calling. But it's just something that does not get done. But so we know it's not going to happen. We know in our gut it's not going to happen because we've seen that it's not going to happen. However, do you see, is there any bit of hope and i'm talking the movie dumb and dumber any kind of chance for matt canada to be retained next year i mean uh next year no i don't i don't possibly see it at all and i you know i just want to back back up on, on one thing you just said you know is it kenny pickett or is it the play calling for me it's 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 the preparation it's not it's really it's neither of those things i mean yes it's kenny pickett yes it's the play calling but it's also the preparation. I just don't feel as though whether it's Mike Sullivan or Matt Canada or the offensive staff in general, that, that Kenny Pickett is being prepared properly. Like when we were talking about the miscommunications with the offensive line and with the wide receivers, like that just shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. Like the, the team needs to be better prepared for what they're going to see. And it, it just doesn't seem as though they are. I think back to the Rams game, a few weeks ago where the Steelers were confused up front. They gave up some run throughs like we saw against Cleveland on Sunday. And Mike Tomlin wrote it off by saying, Hey, they showed us some things that we weren't ready for. We fixed it at halftime. And while they did fix it at halftime, it's the NFL, man. I mean, like, all right, you're going to see some things that, that, that you haven't seen from a team, but your guys have to be ready for that. I just don't think the Steelers are prepared offensively for some uh, of, of what they're seeing. And they're doing Kenny Pickett a disservice as a young quarterback by not preparing him properly. Contrast him to C.J. Stroud. Now, C.J. Stroud's 
a heck of a football player, no doubt about that. But CJ Stroud looks like he's completely prepared for what he's seeing. Uh, and and looks like he's he's as comfortable recognizing and reading defenses as veterans in the game. And so, I mean, how much better is he being prepared by that staff than uh, Kenny Pickett's being prepared by by the Pittsburgh staff? Speaking of preparation, as we go on over to the defense, I feel that that the way that that game was called in the final minutes and that final drive on that defense was not about the players on the field. It was not misgivings by any of those men. Um, I'm talking about guys that just showed up this week, like a Michael Walker or a Trenton Thompson, who's just the last couple of weeks just showed up. I thought they played valiantly. There's no moral victories, but I thought the players did a nice job on the field. But when you only get 14 seconds and you come out with that kind of defense, when you need a stop to go into overtime, I feel like it's preparation and coaching again. What's your thoughts there? Are we talking about the the final series on defense here? I'm talking about the final series and then the defense as a whole, because I thought they played valiantly. Sure. Sure. They did. I mean, again, they, they held, uh, they held Cleveland to 10 points up and up until, you know, I mean, when Pittsburgh gets the ball back with a minute 50 to go, you know, you're you're thinking, hey, the Steelers are are going to be the ones to go down and get a last second field goal attempt. I don't, I don't think the the defense was <laughs> expecting to go back on the field 15 seconds later after the Steelers threw three incompletions. When they did go back on the field, the my, the only thing that I was disappointed in with the defense was that when they went back on the field for that final 90 seconds. And they gave up 40-some yards. I think I think Cleveland moved the ball 48 yards to get into field goal range there. Um, I just didn't think Pittsburgh played very aggressively. I mean, they didn't, they didn't run one blitz that entire final series. They fell back into a lot of cover two and cover three. They were given like a two-high shell and then rotating into cover three. And Cleveland was just throwing simple coverage beaters. They were, they were running like slant flat. You know, that's a high school route. And, uh, and they were given – Dorian Thompson Robinson, plenty of time because the Steelers only rushed four on the on the on the 15 yard throw that he hit to Elijah Moore that put him out to the 50 yard line. The first play of the drive, they only rushed three. I mean, they had for some weird reason they had Alex Highsmith lined up outside the bunch set that Cleveland aligned in, and you know almost like he was going to like jam the receivers out there. And Highsmith really never got into a rush, and so the Steelers rushed three guys and let Robinson sit back there comfortably and, and put the ball on the money to Elijah Moore, you know, so that's, that's what I was disappointed with, man. They, they played with a soft cushion as though, as though Cleveland had to go 90 yards instead, man, with taking over on their own 35, they really only needed to make like 30 yards, you know, so 35 yards, whatever it was, but that was my only disappointment. Otherwise you're right. This is another game that the defense kept Pittsburgh in it. And then obviously the offense wasn't able to get it done at the end. How demoralizing is it to go back out there after just a mere 14 seconds when you think that you've done your job to get your team the win? Yeah, I mean, it had to be disappointing. It was also disappointing that Presley Harvin didn't hit a better punt. The Steelers only netted 35 yards on that exchange of field position. So at least you're expecting 
when you go back out there for Cleveland to be inside their own 20, instead they're starting at their 35. Um, so, you know, that was disappointing. And I don't know, you know, it's funny, man, you know, I I'm, I'm pretty dejected right now. And I apologize for those who can hear it in my tone. I don't mean to sound so dejected. It was a frustrating loss, but it's amazing how differently the narrative could have been when you think about Pittsburgh's final possession, the first play of the drive. I mean, now they take possession out, out at their own 30. So that's not bad field position. And they only, they only need to go about 35 yards to get in Chris Boswell's field, field goal range. And, you know, a lot of things are, are about rhythm. And on the first play of the drive, uh, they run an outcut to Deontay Johnson at about the 42, 43 yard line and Pickett just puts it right on him. I mean, it couldn't have been thrown any better. And, you know, the ball maybe, maybe arrived a hair early. Deontay Johnson didn't look totally ready for it, but he only put one hand up and it pretty much hit him in the chest. Then he dropped it. Now, if Deontay Johnson catches that, the Steelers are going to have first and 10 at the 45 with a little bit of momentum going. And who knows, man, maybe they drive down to kick the field goal and we're having a whole different conversation. So it's amazing how much of a difference just a single play can make in a contest. It absolutely does, Kevin. Uh, what are your thoughts about the way these guys that I mentioned a little bit earlier, like a Trenton Thompson, like a Michael Walker, I thought they held up pretty well. Yeah, I thought they did fabulously, man. I mean, Steelers got put into a really tough uh, situation by having to swap in all these new guys. Uh, I, had to, I had to stop and look at times about like, wait a minute, who, who's, who's number 17 again? Who's 34? Who's 38? You know, like you're looking at and you're just trying to think like, who, who's that guy? And and then number 50, man, whew, what a beast he was. He was he was phenomenal flying around, making tackles, making dropping dudes in their tracks. That was the other thing, man. Uh, just the Landon Roberts played like an, an absolute beast. Uh, he was phenomenal. So with guys that have very little experience in the system, they were prepared and they played tremendously. Now you juxtapose how well prepared the defensive staff was uh, to the preparation on the other side of the football. And it's like night and day. I believe if I'm not mistaken, 14 tackles that ties a record that, uh, you know, there were a few in the past that uh, had a lot like a Lawrence Timmons, but I believe that, ties a 2016 record of Vince Williams for most tackles in a game. A Landon Roberts, welcome to the club. Yeah, actually ESPN's got him for 15. So if that's the if that's the stat, then I that that might be a record. I didn't know that that was a record. Maybe he got another one. You know, it's funny because I, for some reason I thought Shazier had it. And when I was at the game, they asked a fan that question and the answer was indeed vince williams and i looked it up today when i when i saw how many he had when he had 12 i was like oh, man he's close and then he yeah. was, i mean he was just rocking everybody i'll have to recheck that but all i know is Atlanta roberts has been a guy that you and i have been calling for for a couple years here he's finally arrived and wow he's playing good football and with these guys going down this man has really stepped up yeah absolutely i mean think about it he was the veteran of that linebacking core today, that inside linebacking core in terms of his Steelers tenure. And, you know, he started the season as the third guy. And, and we all thought he would just be a bit of a specialist, maybe come down, on, come in on rundowns and be the run thumper. 
but he held up pretty well in pass protection as well. I mean, David Njoku, the tight end, caught seven balls, but they were only for 50-some yards. And, um, and I thought I thought uh, Mikael – what's, what's, what's Mikael's last name again? Michael Walker. Michael Walker, thank you. Michael Walker. I thought he did a nice job in, in, in pass protection as well for a guy who'd been here a hot minute. And Trenton Thompson, man, same deal. Even though he kind of got – Trenton Thompson kind of got beat a little bit uh, on on – by Najoku on a nice little man beater that Cleveland ran on that final drive to really pick up the last yards that they needed to get into field goal range. Uh, but still, man, he, he, he uh, afforded himself well. So there's a lot to be proud of as far as that defense goes. Really does. So without further ado, that is our dude of the week. It's gotta be. Oh yeah. Landon Roberts, man. I, I, again, he, he made, he made some spectacular open field tackles. 11 of his tackles were solos and he was getting downhill, man, downhill. And, and uh, when he hits you, that's it. The play's over. You know, <laughs> they, he drops dudes in their tracks. That's for sure. So it, it felt like it, it was nice to watch uh, a, a game on defense where an old school inside linebacker was the dominant player again. You know, the, the game is just so spread out now that some of those Alandon Roberts type Scott type guys, uh, have been marginalized a little bit, and it was nice to watch a throwback linebacker have a dominant football game. It, it really is. But we got to talk about the other side of the coin and a man that would have been due to the week last week, but we decided to go with Patrick Peterson. We cannot ignore the entire offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jalen Warren. Yeah, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder to see Najee Harris as the number one guy. I mean, and that's not a shot at Najee Harris. I'm not a Najee Harris hater. That simply speaks to the level at which Jalen Warren is playing. He, he just doesn't ever go down on first contact. It seems when he does, I'm like shocked by it. I'm like, he, as when he has the ball in the open field and a tackler approaches in my mind, I just immediately think, Oh, well, he's going to make three more yards. And, and occasionally he'll get tackled. And I'm like, oh, my God, they got him down at, at the point of contact. It, it just it just doesn't happen. So uh, his his explosiveness and his versatility and I mean, I think just the energy he brings, it's just a different kind of energy right now. Uh, he's, he's turning into a special player. Speaking of Najee Harris, he is not throwing players under the bus about being prepared, about having the heart, about uh, laying everything out there. He just said, I'm not talking about teammates. I'm just talking about myself. But some people are reading into that entire thing. I can't right now. All I know is that Najee is being stand-up about it, but a lot of people are reading between the lines. What are your thoughts there? I don't put much stock into anything somebody says right after a game. I think that you need a cooling-off period emotions are are high it's your reactionary there there needs to be uh there needs to be a time for, i think for people to sort of step away from what just happened and then be able to assess it so the the, the post-game commentary i've never really thought much about simply because i understand the nature of that and and what's happening with those players right then and there and obviously sometimes they want to you know they want to take back some of the things that they may have said or have done uh, and obviously you can't, and people are very critical of them for it. But, you know, imagine being put in a position, Brian, where like you just had your most frustrating day at work ever uh, and and everything went wrong. And then somebody 
jams a microphone in front of your face and asks you why. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that pretty, happens every day. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be pretty easy to like, you know, to go all festivus and air the grievances, you know, <laughs> which is, Hey, that's, that's only about, uh, you know, 30 some days away. Festivus, December 23rd for the rest of us, we will probably have our festivus show. Um, when we have this, the second Cincinnati game, but Cincinnati's coming up the first game in Ohio. Can the Steelers salvage this trip to Ohio, this two game set? And is it one of those things that, uh, they need to have a big philosophy change in just a few days? Well, they obviously have to get over this loss very, very quickly, but let's be honest, man, going into this two game Ohio trip, the, the perspective was pretty much like if you go one and one, it's a successful trip. And the Steelers can still do that. I think the reason Sunday's loss was so disappointing was because it was such a winnable game. And it, it just felt like there was just so many opportunities. If you just cobbled together something resembling a competent offense, you could win that football game. And so, you know, the, the same was true of the Browns. And I guess the Browns managed to, you know, that last little 40 something yard drive to kick the field goal was that, you know, they were the ones that co that cobbled the competent offense together, but Hey, the Steelers just have to regroup quickly. They've got to obviously reassess some of the things that went wrong. They obviously are going to have to make some changes uh, to what they're doing in the passing game up front with their protection. And so turn it around very, very quickly, but they're going to face another backup quarterback in Cincinnati. And if they win that football game, then suddenly going one and one in Ohio doesn't seem that bad. Absolutely. And let's see if they can do that. In the meantime, you have one thing that uh, is pertinent for you to do. And that is, uh, I'm demanding it of you, Kevin. Now, is that okay? You might yes. be doing this. Okay. Well, I I probably shouldn't have said yes so eagerly because I, I have no idea what you're about to lay on me. Well, you know me well, and this is absolutely imperative. If you don't, I'm going to work as the podcast producer. I'm going to work to have you removed from the network. And it's as simple as this. Make sure that you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving and get some rest and relaxation, my man. Yeah. Uh, well, I can do that. I don't think that that's a tough assignment. I will. I will, however... If it, my goal is this, Brian, and I hope that this is the goal of many of the listeners out here. If if it's eight o'clock at night on Thursday night and I'm not lying in a somewhat comatose state on my couch, feeling horrendous because I've eaten myself into a, you know food like a food coma, then I will have failed. I will have I will not have done my job. It's the Super Bowl of eating on Thursday. <laughs> it absolutely is. So you enjoy yourself, my man. Uh, many blessings. I am thankful for you. I'm still thankful for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm thankful for this partnership. This is the fourth season. Thanks so much as we break this down each and every week. We're going to be back here next week, and hopefully we're going to be talking about a Steelers victory in Ohio over another team with the initials CB. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I appreciate everything that you, that you do, man. Your contributions to this network and our friendship are very meaningful. So thank you. I hope your family has a wonderful one. And to all the listeners, same thing, man. Step back on Thursday, you know, take a moment to be grateful for all your the blessings in your life and and then uh, get after it, man. All right. Let's get on out of here. Make sure you check out Steel Curtain Network, the audio only stuff. 
is fantastic. You can only get it here from SCN and the Fans First Sports Network. We've got it over 20 original shows every week, close to, close to 25 now, and you got to check all of it out. Hey, we are your Steelers fix, so make sure that you're here. And speaking of the Steelers fix, check that out later on today at noon. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We want you to have a happy Thanksgiving and keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. <laughs>